Hey everyone, welcome to the Practicology Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us as we once again try to encourage you to see the practical nature of theology, reminding ourselves that the Bible belongs not just beside the stack of commentaries, but by that stubborn stack of dirty dishes as well. Or also on your bedside table when you know you've got a stack of dirty dishes to get to, but you're struggling to find the motivation to get out of bed to deal with it. Today we are thinking about the Christian's mental health and the struggle against depression. And joining me to discuss this today is Stephen Vance. Stephen and his wife Cynthia live in Toronto, where Stephen has served the Lord in full-time Christian ministry for over 20 years. Stephen, thanks so much for being with us today. It's great to join you. Thanks. And Stephen, in recent years, you've enhanced your education so that you're a bit more qualified to Talk to us specifically about the believer's mental health. Can you tell us uh, about your training and why it is that you've pursued that? Yeah, so in my journey in Christian ministry, um, I did a lot of counseling and gradually uh, felt sometimes over my head and ill-equipped and as well realizing in our own province there were some regulations coming that were going to regulate um, formal counseling. So I just uh, took an opportunity nearby to start taking some courses and uh, really enjoyed them, benefited personally from them, and uh, kept on going to do a, a master's level degree in clinical counseling. And it actually kind of was a huge blessing in my own life, um, but also uh, of augmented what I could uh, help people with. So yeah, I'm really grateful for that. So I would I would spend part of my time in in counseling, particular for Christians for Christian counseling. Uh, that's a part of what I do in ministry now. Very good. Now, the Bible is a spiritual book. We say it's presenting answers to spiritual questions. We are, in the words of First Thessalonians 5, where spirit, soul, and body beings, our mind is part of that equation, our mental health is part of that equation. So maybe start there and share with us how we should think biblically about our minds and our mental health. Right. So I think, um, you know, the scripture puts, uh, you know, a huge, a huge emphasis on the mind. You know, we, we were created, created with minds different from the animal creation in that regard. And additionally, God, you know, speaks to us uh, through scripture that's addressed with words to our minds. And a lot in, uh, in the Bible on our salvation, our redemption uh, speaks to the mind, you know, we're to have the, the renewed mind and our minds are to be transformed. So the Bible puts a huge emphasis uh, on the mind. And so I, I just think, uh, you know, that uh, we can love God, not just with our, our you know, with our, our soul, but we can also love God with, with our minds. Uh, so I think mental health is, is pretty, pretty crucial. So a scripture like Mark 12, that we're to love the Lord our God with all of our heart and soul and mind and strength that's that's part of this discussion then too right yeah so when we when we look at that that scripture you know we've got these four dimensions of how we love god with all of our hearts we want to love god with enthusiasm you know a hearty love of god and that's important 
we want to love God with our, our souls. And, you know, the, the word for soul in scripture is, is really sort of speaks to that wholeness of us. And so it's, it's loving God with entirety, with our whole being. And then you've got loving God with our, our strength um, or to love him with endurance. But then there's this other one where we love God with our minds and uh, loving God intelligently, loving God with our thoughts. Uh, this is so important. And you mentioned uh, a distinction from the animal creation there a moment ago. Um, do animals not also have minds? Do, don't man, animals think? Yeah. I mean, it's hard for us to know uh, not being animals like them. But, um, you know, I think it's pretty clear in Scripture that animals have a, a life. They have a soul. The word for soul in Genesis is the, is the same for, for humans as for animals. But where, um, where we are different, it seems, is in the whole spirit piece that, you know, by God breathing into us uh, the breath of life, we become a living soul. And there's this spiritual dimension of, of Godwardness. So I think the big distinction between animals and humans is, is in that spirit realm. But even at the level of soul, um, it, it seems to me that, that uh, you know, even, you know, from the scientific perspective, you know, animals are on a, on a lower level. Uh, you know, humans, particularly when it comes to language, um, way more developed. And so I'm not saying that, that animals have no minds, but there is definitely a, a difference in, in being human. Is There's something really special about being human and being able to communicate with language and being able to be self-aware. These are things that, as far as we know, animals don't, don't have. Great. Well, speaking of animals, that was like us just going down a rabbit trail there for a moment. Uh, but let's come back to our own mental well-being and our mental health. What is the difference between depression, which we're going to focus upon today, just being discouraged or feeling a little bit down when does the word depression become the most appropriate description? Yeah, that's a, a really, really good uh, question. Um, so, you know, and this isn't necessarily biblical, but, you know, depression is kind of a, a medical, um, you know, psychological term. Uh, and if you want to know the, from a science perspective, the definition, the, the best way to uh, understand that is to go to the, what's called the DSM, and it'll give a, a definition of what, uh, you know, the medical community thinks of as, as depression. And I mean, we can, we can talk about that here today. It's really important to know that, we, you know, in my field, we don't diagnose, that's the domain of doctors. Um, and it's, you know, if you're struggling with these things, it's always best to, to go to somebody if you want a diagnosis to, to get that. <laughs> Sometimes it's helpful just to, to read through and get a sense. And so the DSM would say that, you know, if somebody experiences five or more of a group of symptoms for a two-week period, that that would constitute um, depression. And those five symptoms could include, you know, a depressed mood most of the day, nearly every day. Ability. Second one is, you know, diminished interest or pleasure. And again, this is, you know, most of the day, nearly every day. So it's a pervasive sadness or a pervasive diminished interest. And one of the five symptoms needs to be one of those two. 
And then there can be, uh, you know, four of any of the others where there's weight loss or where there is, um, you know, slowing down, reduction of physical movement or uh, a lot of fatigue, loss of energy or feelings of worthlessness or, you know, the diminished ability to concentrate or, you know, thoughts of, of suicide and, and death. So all of these are kind of features of, of depression, but to have a diagnosis, you'd want to consult and, and really get it, get it clear. Certainly shows, again, I come back to the spirit, soul, and body because, you know, it's a fascinating thing that if someone is depressed, how it takes this toll in their body. You mentioned fatigue or loss of, loss of weight, correct? Like it, it just affects all of us. Yeah. We are sort of an integrated being you know, body, soul, and spirit. And when, when there's a problem in one area, it often bleeds into the other areas. And God really wants wholeness where all these parts are, are working together for, for health. So talk to me a bit more about that, if you can, uh, as to what you mean that God wants wholeness from us. Right. So, you know, I think of what Paul says is in Thessalonians, you know, I pray your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved. And so God is, is interested in the whole person. Um, and I think this is all through Scripture, particularly in the Old Testament. The Old Testament is very, very earthy in how it pays attention to things of the body. And, and the New Testament as well, although in Christian understanding of, of the Bible, I think Plato had a huge um, impact as the years went on, and he sort of emphasized just kind of the cognitive, the, the mind. But really in Scripture, we see that God made, uh, he made it all. He made the body, he made the life, he made the spirit, and he loves it all. And he wants us not just to grow in our spiritual life, but to grow emotionally, um, Jesus was very emotional. His emotions of anger and sadness, and joy. So to be Christ-like, I think, is to be developing uh, in emotions as well, and and that will be accompanied by you know taking care of our bodies, seeing our bodies as the stewardship of God, where He's given us these these bodies to take care of and use for His glory. So, you know, when we think about, um, you know, emotional and spiritual health, it just reminds me uh, right now, we've been really blessed by a book by a Christian, well, he's not a, not a counselor, but very psychologically wise, a guy named Pete Scazzaro. And he has a whole uh, set of resources called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality and Leadership. And uh, the whole premise is that, you know, you... In order to be spiritually healthy, you also have to be emotionally healthy. And he talks in his church experience of planting a church and, you know, trying all the discipleship uh, methods, and yet people weren't growing. They were still resentful and bitter and defensive. And what he found was that as he started to integrate, um, you know, spiritual disciplines to slow down and walk with the Lord and uh, to be emotionally aware uh, that it unleashed a huge power for spiritual uh, blessing. And, and I would have to say that as I've gone through his material in the last year or two, um, 
it's just interesting to trace in my own journey. Um, a lot of the pieces God brought into my life at different times. And, and I think it's true that I've become a better human being, but also a better Christian for walking through hard times and walking with God through hard times and, and learning how not just to follow the Lord, but to follow the Lord with, with my mind and my heart, with my emotions and, and with my, my intellect. Well, one way that that's ringing true for me, you know, thinking I've been in Ephesians lately and Ephesians 4 speaks about dealing with anger and putting away anger and wrath. And uh, I mean, there's an emotion that has its place at times, but part of my spiritual growth, obviously, is that responsibility to deal properly with that emotion. And the fruit of the spirit is self-control, right? Would that relate Mm -hmm. to what you're talking about? Yes, absolutely. Well, is depression just an emotional response? Is that just an emotional thing, or is there something going on chemically likely as well? Mm, yeah. So there can be, right? So depression can involve, again, we're, you know, body, soul, spirit. So there can be a, a body element um, where there's, you know, chemical, um, you know, imbalances. And this is where sort of a medical consult can be so, so helpful. Another feature of depression is, um, you know, the thoughts. Sometimes an analogy that we use is it's kind of like having most depressed people or highly discouraged people. It's like they have um, sunglasses on and everything in the world is viewed in a darker, more negative way. So, you know, everything bad is going to happen and something wrong with me. And so there's those thoughts, those thoughts that, you know, when God says that I'm a precious creation of his and a a son, a daughter of his, a depressed mind is going to darken that. So there can be, there can be, you know, sort of the thought. And then of course, there's the feelings, the feelings of sadness. uh, So, so common. In, in depression. So it's, it's emotional, it's cognitive thoughts, it's, it's body. All of this is it's part of, of depression. Yeah. When you mentioned about, it's like wearing a pair of sunglasses and, see, and seeing everything darker. Uh, you and I have both experienced depression at times and uh, that really rings true for me as well. I, I, I start, I, I would find myself going down negative pathways of things that, that had not happened, but, um, uh, yeah, you interpret a response as likely going to lead to this and it's likely going to lead to that and it's likely going to lead to that. And I'm, I find myself dwelling on all of these negative potentials and kind of have to give my head a shake a little bit because none of them have actually happened yet. Right. Yeah, absolutely. But why is it that I, as a Christian who have so much to rejoice in and I am immensely blessed in Christ and Christ loves me and I know that he does, we've got so much going for us. We have the Holy Spirit within us. How can I still be prone to be depressed? So that's a, that's a great, great question. And, you know, it's, it's interesting um, in, the, in the research on depression, students may not realize this, but in general, the research tends to suggest that um, faith and, you know, spirituality actually help. So we may not feel that way when we're in a, in a tough time, but uh, there is a huge um, resource uh, that we have in the Lord. And yet, 
it's also sort of anecdotally uh, noted by you know counselors that sometimes Christians are are hard to um, you know to treat as clients uh, in in counseling, and one of the reasons is is that. You know, Christians tend to think, well, you know, I, you know, if I'm a Christian, I shouldn't have any depression. And, but that's just not true. So when we blame everything on our spirituality, you know, I'm feeling depressed, so I must be defective spiritual, uh, spiritually. Well, but maybe it's a medical thing. Maybe it's something in my, my body, right? Or maybe there's another piece, you know, high stress situations. So there's some, types of depression you know that are that are normal if you've lost a, a loved one or had a, a real tra- traumatic experience um you know that's a separate case where somebody may feel really low and of course it needs to be dealt with and managed and particularly um you know the the boundary lines of somebody is suicidal it's really important to to get help for that and there's a whole grieving process but you know, feeling sad and depressed after a huge loss—that's not—that's not a problem, an illness. That's normal. That's being human. That's loving, and feeling sadness when we've we've lost. So we need to be careful. There, you know, there's there's, there's all kinds of things um, for us as Christians that uh, you know, if I'm feeling depressed, it doesn't mean that my spiritual life is defective, could be medical, could be a stress situation. Maybe it is that there are some of the tools, including, you know, resources in Christ that I'm not making full use of. So there may be that part. But as well, I think we need to cut ourselves some some grace because, you know, our, our, our justification, our, our salvation is, is secure, but our sanctification is ongoing. And, uh, and part of that is, is, you know, how we're going to be sanctified in our emotions. And so, you know, there's nothing defective in my faith if I've experienced depression, but I do need to lean in and find ways to, you know, to grieve if I have a grieving experience and to seek help um, to get through it, to thrive, to get to a place of thriving. So you've mentioned stress or going through some uh, significant sad event but as you say that elijah comes to my mind after the mount carmel experience and then he's in the cave uh, i don't know if he's clinically depressed or not but he's he's not in a good state does elijah relate to our discussion today do you think i think elijah is a great example of somebody that shows a lot of these a lot of these symptoms right you know if you look at his story a lot of uh sadness tiredness Right, he goes, runs away into the desert, and he's he's sleeping. Uh, he's tired, so it's his physicality has been uh, affected. Yeah, so he's had a stressful event, death threat from Jezebel. So there's that part of it. It's maybe situational, but then it says verse three, he's afraid, so he has that emotional fear, or anxiety, and then he he goes to sleep. He's tired, and then he he says verse four, take my life suicidal ideation and then he says i'm no better than my ancestors he's got a really negative view of himself and then he you know he gets up and he goes back to you know goes back on another journey and then he he sleeps again so there's all kinds of evidences that somebody here is really discouraged maybe still the whole body soul spirit dimension is here 
And he's he's got those dark sunglasses on too because he, he says, you know, I am the only one left, which isn't actually yes. true, but he's seeing that in this negative distortion. Totally. So there's an example of, of a stressful circumstance and likely his fatigue as well contributing to it. That's a real experience for us. Tell me a little bit more about the connection between stress and depression and burnout. We could use that word as well. Yeah. So I think of my own experience, right? These things can can function together too. In my early ministry, I probably had a period of depression. I, I wasn't taking care of my body carefully enough. And I was so busy in my work that I wasn't, you know, giving attendance to uh, nourishing relationships in a way that would have helped me. And my devotional life was lacking, uh, so busy. And, but I also had situational things. There were stresses in our work, various criticisms. And, and, and so all of those things can function together. Um, you know, situations can trigger an underlying uh, vulnerability to discouragement and, and to depression. But yeah, I think the usual, um, the usual progression is uh, from, you know, stress to anxiety to depression. You know, where, where stress, you know, uh, and each of these pieces has, you know, a body component and a mind component and a emotional component. But equally, each of these pieces can, can be a piece on their own, right? I can be stressed without getting anxious and depressed, or I can be anxious and depressed without uh, huge underlying stressors. You know, but sometimes it's helpful to have that, that progression in mind. So when we think about uh, stress, you know, this is sort of at the body level, you, you know, you've got, maybe you feel pressure, you feel fidgety. And uh, in your, your mind, maybe things like hard to concentrate or always being alert. And uh, in the emotions, it could be a lot of, a lot of mood swings. That's, that's stress. When you go to anxiety, it, it takes stress that's in our body and as in this worry piece, sort of the, the cognitive mental mind piece of worry. And so usually with anxiety, um, there's sort of a, a tension between risk and resources. So we tend to think the situation we're in is more dangerous than it is. And our ability to cope is less full than it needs to be. So this is a, a you know, a conflict and, and it leads to, leads to, uh, anxiety. And one of the big pieces of anxiety is those worry thoughts that function in, in our minds. So if you want to think of sunglasses analogy with depression, usually the sunglasses are dark. They're seeing everything in a darker way. Whereas with anxiety, the sunglasses sort of blow up the threat and reduce down my abilities. Sometimes um, when I am feeling stressed or anxious, I sometimes struggle to assess what is the root cause of that. And maybe Esther will ask me, you know, about a few things, is this, is this, is this? And I will say, no, you know, it's not that, it's not that. And I'll come back and it, it is one of those things that she asked about, but it's like, I, I figured that out later. It's, it's almost like I was embarrassed that that would be causing the stress and anxiety. Um, so I didn't want to right. face that. And yet when I am honest enough to face that, okay, that seems to be the step and now I can deal with it. But it's, it, it bothers me that that bothers me so much. Does that make sense? Totally. Right. And that's probably 
I mean, you'd have to uh, think about it yourself, but often we, you know, maybe we, we have this belief that I've always got to be able to handle everything. And so it's not okay to be vulnerable and to say, you know, I'm struggling with this. And yet when we have sort of love and empathy and compassion, like our Lord has towards us, you know, he knows our frame, we're dust. Uh, then we're able to let down our guard and, and yeah, uh, usually this whole piece of the body being so valuable in the scriptures. I mean, this is a huge place of resonance with secular research that, you know, our body keeps the score on this kind of stuff. Yeah. So when we're feeling anxious or depressed, usually the first clue will be something in our bodies. And that's okay. That's part of God's gift to us. And then if we drill down, we're able to figure out, you know, what are the, the thoughts? What are the situations that are triggering this? And I mean, in the example you've given, there's a good chance that, you know, maybe you felt bothered or anxious about this being the source of my anxiety. So it's, it, it actually was a trigger itself, right? Yeah. And our, and our body's speaking to it. I mean, it, it, it astounds me the variety of ways over the years that my body has manifested stress and it, it's taken different shapes at times, which means it's sometimes a little bit challenging for me to perceive that that's what was going on. But some, sometimes these are easier to see in retrospect. But uh, I know in my own experience, part of my problem was that I, I pushed, sort of pushed through that, pushed against it for too long. Uh, eventually, well, the body and the mind can only take so much. So I, I know part of this is that we should know our limits. I mean, I, I'm, I'm taking comfort now. You mentioned that scripture that God knows our frame. And uh, on the one hand, I'm little bit bothered at times by my weakness, but it is what it is. You just have to come to grips with that. That's my, my frailty. God knows that. I can trust him with that. But And he loves you in that. Thank you. But it's, it's hard for us. It's hard for me to, it seems, to have understood my limits until, until I sort of crashed, until I pushed beyond them and realized, yeah. oh, I should have stopped earlier. Absolutely. So it kind of reminds me in my early uh, ministry, I was trained by, uh, you know, Brother Murray McCandless, and he uh, shared a, a pearl of wisdom that he got from, uh, from Norman Crawford. Many of the current listeners may not remember from, from previous uh, decades, but he said, you know, take your breaks or God will make you take them. And this whole piece of, and it stuck with me, right, that that we need to be kind to ourselves. And that doesn't mean be lazy, but it just means know our limits and, and accept that. That's, that's emotional health. Because if we're struggling, I mean, sometimes we can just power through. But in the long term, it's not a strategy. If we, if we have emotions that we keep pushing down and not attending to and finding a way of working through them, whether it's anxiety or whether it's, uh, you know, whether it's depression. If we don't find a way to grieve things that are really sad, face things that are really fearful and, and deal with them, these emotions will start bubbling up in other areas of our life. Sometimes we need to, we need to work through them. Everybody's life story is unique and we can never sort of based on a certain symptom, you know, kind of say, well, that's what it means. But, you know, sometimes a person is experiencing anxiety or depression long term. And sometimes there's pain underneath that, that they've never been able to share with somebody that can 
represent the voice of the Lord to them and, and speak words of truth and love and grace into their heart and into their life. And so, you know, Christians, for example, that have experienced abuse, that have kept it secret for years, it's a huge burden. And, and there can be, uh, you know, depression and anxiety over that. Um, and sometimes being able to go into those painful experiences from childhood or growing up and to be able to, almost like it does in the Psalms, to, you know, unpack them and talk about them with somebody that understands and cares. And there can be a, a huge setting free. And that doesn't mean if a person's experienced that, that they have to go there. It may, it may feel like it's too much. But equally, we can't say that, you know, if somebody's depressed or anxious, that that means it's there. But we just need to be open and curious about, uh, about those possibilities. Because what, what I've learned just in studying scripture, there's lots of complexity. And in studying counseling, there's, there's just a lot of complexity. And what it's allowed me to have is a real poise of, you know, focus on God, but also be open to my own life story and to, to grieve and to combine the resources of hope that the Lord gives us. He's for us. He loves us. And I want to come back to the Psalms at some point during this too. Um, such uh, amazing, heart-wrenching expressions from the Psalms. But I'm just thinking a bit more about, uh, you know, advice that you said Mr. Crawford passed along to, to Marie and then to you. It, it brings to my mind, I, I guess, a mindset that I bought into. Um, you know, you hear exhortations, you got to burn the midnight oil in your Bible study. So I was doing that on, on both ends sometimes. But the journals of Jim Elliott that I read and enjoyed so much and challenged me so much. And you know, you've thought of those lines before where Jim Elliott says he makes his ministers a flame of fire. Am I ignitable? God deliver me from the dread asbestos of other things. Saturate me with the oil of the spirit that I may be a flame. But flame is transient, often short-lived. Canst thou bear this, my soul, a short life? Make me thy fuel, flame of God. So this, this desire to burn out for God and that message a lot as well. Uh, is that a good message? How do we balance that with scriptures? Does it need to be balanced? What would you say? I think that's a great, a great question. And maybe just stepping back from, you know, mental health. One of the things I've learned in my Christian journey is, you know, that the, the truth is nuanced. There's a lot of, a lot of, of tension and paradox. You know, you think of examples like, you know, election, free will, Jesus as human, Jesus as God. You know, there's so many biblical truths that we know in faith are true, but they're not always easily analyzable and uh, articulatable, if that's a word. So I think the same is true of, of this topic, you know, of, of emotional reality. And, and yeah, we do honor dedication in, you know, Christian history. Paul's life was, wow, as a family man, like, was that even livable as a family man? You know, it was, it was pretty, pretty wild ride. Um, and I think we can look to the past mission workers that, you know, away from their families for, for so long. And, and we, we want to go into this judgmental thing. Was it right or wrong? And well, but we honor the sacrifices that they decided to make, and we will make our own decisions on what sacrifices we will make in the, in our love for Jesus Christ. But I think it's important 
Well, we hold that piece to also hold the piece that it's not just a modern psychological movement that's saying, you know, have good self-care, take care of yourself. I think that that's grounded in the Bible as well. Yeah, give us that from the scriptures, what you're thinking, because I'm sure it does, it might frighten some listeners a little bit to hear us talk about self-care, because there's also a thinking in our world that is very self-absorbed, and it's, right. it's me first, and it's, it's my uh, wants and my desires, and it's all about me. So just uh, what angle are you coming at, and how, how do we balance that too? Yes, that's a great question. Yeah, thanks for raising that. So let, let's go first to the scripture, right? Um, so for example, take the summary of the commandments of the law, and, and they're given to us, you know, love the Lord your God, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. So, and this is the foundation of the law. So there is this sort of self-love that is assumed. And I don't think that that's kind of like a a wicked self-love, like we have in 2 Timothy 3, you know, people will be lovers of their own selves, kind of that arrogant, self-focused, self-absorbed type of love that you're talking about. But rather it's a, it's a, it's a taking care of myself, that it's not dishonorable to say my body is a gift from God and I should, I should take care of it well. That's taking care of myself and honoring God in it. So I think the summary of the law indicates that there's an appropriate... Self-love is a little bit loaded, um, but he does say, love your neighbor as you love yourself. It's that caring for myself, not self-preoccupied, but, but a self-caring love. I think as well of in the Old Testament, you know, the whole concept of the Sabbath. And I know some people will say, well, we're not commanded to keep the Sabbath. But I mean, God had a Sabbath before the law. Like there's this whole theme in scripture of, you know, work and then rest, work and then rest. So God has given us these rhythms. And and even in the Old Testament, the Sabbath was not an obligation meant to you know, constrain or hurt God's people. It says in Exodus 16, the Lord has given you the Sabbath. So it was actually a gift where they could take one in seven to rejoice in God and to trust God to take care of them. And so I think these types of principles um, highlight the need to take care of ourselves. And, and we see this in what Jesus Uh, taught, you know, his disciples, uh, Matthew, or sorry, Mark 6, you know, they've just experienced the traumatic loss of John the Baptist being murdered. And they're about to host a dinner party for 5,000 men, women, and children. (laughs) It's a hugely stressful event. And in the middle, Jesus says, come apart with me and rest. Uh So this whole idea of rest and Sabbath and taking care of ourselves is not Jesus models it, our Lord models it. And, and this is not ungodly, this is biblical. So, uh, you know, if the self-care label is triggering, we can call it that it's, we're just valuing what God has valued. We're taking care of ourselves. It's like good stewardship. And I mean, yeah, I'm, I don't consider myself under Sabbath law, but I also consider myself unwise if I ignore that Sabbath principle. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, as the Lord Jesus said, 
man was not made for the Sabbath, but the Sabbath was made for man. It's meant to be yes. to us. And I guess what you were when you were reflecting on your own experience from the past a little bit early on in your ministry, uh, that was maybe something that you were lacking or not appreciating, right? Huge, huge. Yeah, I didn't keep Sabbath. I was always, always working. And, you know, in my counseling work, um, so I would classify myself as a, you know, a recovering workaholic. And uh, it's an area right now in these last few years has been an area of growth in, in, in my life. And, you know, when I'm with an addict, you know, somebody that's addicted to alcohol or pornography or, or um, you know, substances, if that's not something that I struggle with, it's easy f- for people to look down on the person and say, how can you, how can you have those addictions? And yet I have my own addictions and was, was a workaholic addiction. And usually underneath addictions is pain. And when we're able to um, slow down enough to rest in God and to grieve whatever pains are, are fueling our addictions, there's, there's, there's hope, there's healing. Thank you, Stephen. And let me just summarize a little bit where we've been today. We've talked about why from the scriptures, our minds are important to God. So God cares about the health of our minds and he seeks growth in our whole personhood, including both our spiritual health and our emotional health. The two are related. We thought a little of what depression is and how stress and anxiety can contribute to it and how when it comes to stress, our body keeps the score and we can only handle so much. So we need rest. And Elijah's story is an example of some of these points. I think we should pause things there for today, but my discussion continues in our next episode with much more from Stephen. And the rest of the discussion is going to focus on three R's related to, you could say, self-care or the stewardship of our minds and our emotional or mental health, how we can take steps to help prevent ourselves from slipping into these dark holes, or some steps we can take towards climbing out of them with God's grace and the help of others in our lives as well. So we appreciate what Stephen has shared with us today up to this point. What remains is very helpful. We'll look forward to having you tune in again next week. Until then, may the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look with favor on you and give you peace. Thank you so much for tuning in. Mm